Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. Dr. Ben Song risked everything when he used the Quantum Leap Accelerator to travel back in time. Now our team's working to find out why. As he leaps between bodies with no memory of who he is, he still has one hope, that his next leap takes him back to the place and people he calls home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 127, Paging Dr. Song. An excellent question, which I'm sure Dr. Goldman can answer. I just got her answering service. They don't know where she is. Who's going to deliver our baby? She is, right, Doc? Great. Me? No, 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 no. We're going to take this woman to the place where the people who actually deliver babies work. No time. That baby is crying. It's coming right now. I can't do this. Guess I'm doing this. Okay. When you're ready, as hard as you can, push. You got this, Mama. You got it. Come on, baby. Ah! Uh, okay. Yes, you got this. Okay, I can see its head. You you're almost there. Just one more big push. Come on, Mama. You got it. You got it. Paging Dr. Song, Dr. Ben Song. Addison, you'll never guess what I just did. I delivered a baby. All right, so this time it looks like you were Dr. Alexandra Tompkinson, a first-year resident at Cedarhurst Hospital, Seattle, 1994. It looks like you're here to save three people's lives. What's going on? Train crash. Multiple victims coming in hot. Yes, okay, Ziggy says there is a 100% chance all three were on that train. Now all I have to do is find them. Yeah, and quickly, in the original timeline, Kimberly Cole, Louis Tan, and Eli Jackson don't survive the accident. Under different circumstances, Janice would have been a part of this project. It's time to roll the dice. We've been playing catch up this entire time. Now, whether we like it or not, Janice is our best chance at understanding what's going on. You know, you're taking an awful big risk bringing me in here. I've committed every square inch of this place to memory. Think of what I could do if I got loose. It is a risk, but I believe it's one worth taking. Do tell. We want the same thing. To help Ben save Addison and bring him home. Just like your dad wanted to do for Sam Beckett. So let's stop working at cross purposes and start working together. What do you know about Ben's leave? Okay, I will tell you what I know. But only after I talk to Ben. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And tonight on Medical Drama. You're putting profit ahead of patients. <laughs> Damn it, you're a loose cannon. Get with the program. Code blue, she's circling the drain. <laughs> Not only is this my heart transplant patient, it's my estranged daughter. T tonight oh, on Medical no. Drama. <laughs> Then the evil twin was in the coma all along. Wait, this is turning into moments to live. <laughs> Where everybody's sleeping with everybody. <laughs> Just like back at the project. 
<laughs> so yeah, tonight we are uh, reviewing season one, episode ten, paging Doctor Song, aka medical drama, and uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little high. Uh, we just got off the mic with Deandra Jarris, the <laughs> executive producer of Quantum Leap, and we had a Hot great dang. interview with him. You're not going to be able to hear it this show because uh, it's a little too long. But uh, if I'm a little giddy, it's because we had such a good talk with him. More about that to oh. come. Honestly, yeah, I uh, I am so glad that we had that interview. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better about a lot of stuff. He was really candid with us, um, really open about stuff, and uh, I think it was a really great interview. It was uh, illuminating. Yeah. Good time. But yeah, so uh, that'll come up in a couple of weeks on the feed. But in addition to talking about paging Dr. Song, we also have a terrific interview with the lead guest star on this episode, Tiffany Smith, who played Dr. Sandra Turk. So Big doings there. Isn't wasn't Turk one of the doctors on Scrubs? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if that was oh, an old really? Yeah, Christopher Turk. <laughs> I hope so. And that's gonna play into some of my initial impressions, to be honest oh, with okay. you. So <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean I this is probably I I would have to say this is Quantum Leap's first full-fledged medical episode. Is it, this is kind of breaking new ground. That's true. Yeah, surprisingly. I don't think they ever had they had the fake out and then it was the soap opera. And certainly there was the medical knowledge put to use, but I don't think Sam ever leapt just into a doctor. Yeah, I guess maybe it would have been a bit too easy for Sam. He'd have just been like, yeah, I'm better than any of the doctors here. I know this stuff. <laughs> exactly. He goes in and uses all his Gary Stew powers and he saves everyone. That'll be a great time. Al's like, you're just here to save one little girl's life. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll renovate the whole hospital while I'm at it. I'm just going to go take a break, Sam. You're going on a vacation. I'll see you later. Give that lady a pill so she can grow a new kidney, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> he invented that, oh, by the way. <laughs> So, yeah, kind of breaking new ground, which I know that we've um, had some discussions in the past about how Quantum Leap did so many things that it's almost inevitable that we're going to compare some of Ben's leaps to some of Sam's leaps. Um, this is like the Space Shuttle episode. They're, they really are finding stuff that we haven't seen before. So I like that. And um, it, it shows you that the creatives behind the show are more creative than I am anyway. So that bodes well. So that being said, Allison. Uh, what are your first impressions of paging Dr. Song? Paging Dr. Song. <laughs> uh, this may be a first for me. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm kind of, I don't know. It it may just be my headspace at the moment and, and stuff in my own life. I, I don't really know how I feel about this episode. I feel like I was kind of workshopping other versions of it in my head. So I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me sort through my thoughts as we hmm. go along. All right. That's that's interesting, Matt. How about you? Yeah, I I I do know. I loved it and was surprised by that because, um, and I'm surprised that Allison's not certain about it either. Because one of the things that I I noted was that it had all of about thirty seconds back at the project. Oh yeah, that was great. Um, <laughs> which which disappointed me. Uh, but we know we know we have different feelings about that. Uh, I'm I'm a sucker for medical dramas, and I was just in tears through most of this. Uh, it, it just it got me in the feels, and to be honest, even if it had been badly written, which I don't think it was, it would have got me in the feels because there's something about medical dramas that always do that. But there's there's some there's some really cool stuff in this. So yeah, I really liked it. All right. Um, I also know exactly how I feel about this episode, so no worries there. Um, I think that there was just a ton of great stuff here, and um, there's so much that I do want to talk about that I really, really liked, especially the acting. I think it was exemplary. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, 
I think they were flawless with everything they were given. Uh, but you can hear the butt coming. Yeah. There's a butt coming, isn't there? Your big old butt. What is it? <laughs> this episode was one live damn you away from being like cliche overload. This was every <laughs> medical drama cliche wrapped yeah. up into one. When you say you're workshopping this in your head, Allison, it felt to me like they were workshopping the pilot of a new medical <laughs> drama <laughs> for ABC. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, yeah. Um, um, I guess I come with, with my own baggage because as you guys know, I'm married to a nurse, so we don't mm-hmm. watch medical shows in this house because she, she'll always pick it apart and she can't enjoy <laughs> it. And it's just, you know, we just wind up making fun of them. The last medical show I watched was St. Elsewhere and I loved St. Elsewhere. I loved it like beyond reason. Like, like I worked it into foreknowledge. That's how much I love St. Elsewhere. Really? Wait, yeah. was it a reference or was it a crossover? No, there was a reference. There was a reference. Oh, man. St. Elsewhere is great. And um, after that, I guess the the most uh, recent, quote, medical show I've watched is Scrubs, uh, getting back to Dr. Turk. <laughs> I'm no Superman. <laughs> I'm no Superman. So that shows you where I'm at when it comes to, like, like, modern medical drama. I find it like modern police procedural. It's just not my thing. And everything in this was just not my thing. Yeah, I know why some of this episode didn't work for me, but I, I'm confused about my thoughts on it because I didn't dislike it. I, I think like all of the acting was really good. I think there were really good moments in it, though um, the pacing didn't work for me because there were some parts where it felt very leisurely when it, it should have been more urgent. Maybe, yeah. That's odd to say, too, because in terms of leaping, we had just such an ambitious leap here. It was a triple leap. It was like three leaps in one. And so it had been like moving to different different plots, basically, a lot of moving parts for him to navigate around. So we had um, the train crash. We got casualties coming in hot. Yeah. And then all of them disappeared, but like three people. That was what was confusing to me. Well, not confusing, but it was I mean, a small like, train crash. Yeah, this small. could this could have been a car crash and had the same outcome because it was only about like three or four people were focusing on. I, I know this is a budget thing, but the fact we didn't this is an off-screen train crash, which sounds which sounds infinitely more exciting to me than walking <laughs> down the hallway. And then we have all of these people come in, and then. We don't see Ben really working on them. We hardly see him doing any medical stuff at all. I was a little confused about the time spent on this leap because the hook of this episode is Ben is a doctor, but he's not a medical doctor. At least they don't say he's a medical doctor if he is. How do you navigate that? How are you? How is he going to do something differently than uh, than the the woman he leaped into would? Um, and we have him help deliver a baby, a two-push baby. He doesn't really do anything that wouldn't have happened already, which is yep. – And then he apparently goes and does an entire shift for this woman at this hospital that we don't see, works overtime, an hour past her shift. And then Addison shows up. Apparently, at no point during that time, he had to do any doctoring or had any trouble doing it. I that, think, that confused me. Yeah. I think you're misreading that. I think that the ambulance thing was the end of the shift and he got roped into it somehow. And then it, all of a sudden it went from night to day. That confused me. But I, He I've, might have I've been felt, working a night shift, right, but he I worked felt like an entire he was, shift because he was out there 
Uh, I don't know why he was out by that car, but he wasn't on. He wasn't working yet because he wasn't at the hospital, right? No, I mean maybe they they went out. Did he go out with an ambulance call? That that was so confusing no, to me. That was just they, for the leap in. Yeah, if I they hear were you. by the hospital, they would have gone into the hospital. They weren't. Yeah. They were calling for a doctor. So I don't know what the context of of that scene. Why the person he leaped into was there, but after he helps deliver the baby. They fade to him going to work, or he's it's the end of the shift yeah. because um uh the doctor he's working with, uh Dr. Turk, she says that um that it's an hour past her shift. She needs to go home, and that's when the people mm. from the, the train accident come in later. So there was an entire shift there that we didn't see. Addison didn't show up, which seems like a long time for Addison not to show up in universe. Um, and he apparently just did everything she would do on shift as normal, which seemed like a missed opportunity for the hook of the leap. But then how do you explain that? I, I don't know. I took it as somehow like the, the, the birthing of the baby was sort of the end of the night shift and he was just in the morning getting changed or getting like getting ready to leave. And that's why he was an hour over. How is it the end of the shift? He wasn't at the hospital. I don't know. I'm just saying that that's the way I took it. It's the only thing that <laughs> yeah, makes logical yeah. sense, like w- timeline wise, because everything you're saying is 100% true. If he did after that giving birth to you, what you said, a two push birth. Yeah, it was two <laughs> pushes and she was done. Push, and they actually, again. Ben needed to be there to do that. And it's like, I, I don't know how much you know about birthing. That would have <laughs> happened regardless of him being there. He didn't do anything knowledgeable. He didn't provide anything. And um, just like just like TV births, I mean, she gave birth to the cleanest three month old you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> and there was no umbilical cord. It was it cut it itself. It was I, the easiest. I was waiting for the umbilical cord. Yeah, that too. Also, of- it it felt like a classic case of a leap and hook that really doesn't have much to do with what follows because it it kind of sets up that he's a doctor and that um. Uh, I mean, I guess that's all it is. That's up that he's a doctor. But that baby is born a month premature. Never come back to that. I guess there were no complications to that. It, I would have thought that the story with the mother would have maybe tied into the stories later in a way that you didn't expect. I guess that's part of me workshopping it in my head. Like, how would these things have, have tied in a little more? You could have had, like, the mom gives birth, but there's complications, and then she dies, and then she has to give up her heart, or Ben has to choose who's going to live or who's going to die, or um, the father with the brain tumor. Uh, you know, there's you think he's going to be fine, but he's not. It was really to to help him reconcile with his daughter, not to save his life. You know, there could have been other things that would have led to this, like, blow up at the end and uh, made things feel a little more urgent. There was a lot of times where they tell us a lot is happening, but Ben's just walking down the hallway or going to the break room and it doesn't seem like he's that busy with a train full of uh, accident victims. And then after uh, Francois Chow's character, Ben convinces him to pull the plug on his wife so that uh, her heart can be transplanted into uh, another one of the victims and it's a very emotional scene, and I thought it was really well done. And then they fade to Ben happy in the hallway, like, whoo, <laughs> glad that's done. <laughs> like, it was just tonally very off to me there. <laughs> yeah, all fair points. They're all fair points, and I just feel like that's part and parcel of, like, medical drama. They shift gears, um, I, I, I'm assuming anyway, they're, they're going to shift gears between competing storylines very quickly in this day and age. With my limited experience with this stuff, I feel like that's just par for the course. But the fact is, they would switch between an ensemble cast of characters, and in this, you only have Ben. 
So every shift in scene is going to be a little bit jarring because you go from story A to story B to story C, back to story B, back to story C, back to story A. And he's got to like run the gamut of emotions in all of them. And it it's just yeah. like, well, usually on a drama like this, you'd have filler in between where you'd see, oh, what's going on with this B plot? What's going on with this nurse soap opera? What's going on with Dr. Hero who's worked too many shifts? <laughs> yeah. I think there's just – um a buildup that needed to happen there that didn't quite happen. I would have maybe started it with the birth scene like they started. And then Ben goes to the shift and him trying to figure out how to be a doctor and how to fake this. And it seems like a normal day, right? Maybe there's some things going on, like someone has a sprained ankle or, you know, some not as serious injuries going on. And you get to learn about the woman that he works with, uh, that she has a strange relationship with her father, um, other things going on to set up the payoff at the end, the emotional payoff. So then you have all these train victims come in. How does this connect to this? And then you connect these different characters, this emotional arc together uh, in a way that builds up into that emotional moment where he realizes he can't save everyone or he maybe doesn't have the abilities he thinks he has. He's not a doctor, but he knows how to do something else that uh, the woman he leaped into wouldn't. I think her name was Alex. Yeah. The leapy was Alexandra Tompkinson, and she was a first-year medical resident. I, Allison, I have trouble with, with wanting to do it that way. I can see that as a viable, dramatic choice, but one of my chief concerns about any reboot of Quantum Leap, especially in the modern TV environment where you have um, like dysfunction and antiheroes as opposed to, say, like a Sam Beckett model of just a good guy – I was always afraid that it would go down the road of Ben having to make impossible choices because it's the lesser of two evils, because that's just gritty drama. Mm -hmm. And I feel like had we gotten that here, I would have been so let down, not just because it was a medical episode, but because it just is, is – it's – you said it last week, like them them getting Janice and bringing her back to the project in cuffs is antithetical to everything that is Quantum Leap to you. To me, having having to have Ben make a choice between who he needs to save and there's no good outcome either way, that is antithetical to Quantum Leap to me. I'm glad they didn't go down that road with this. I mean I don't think that's a gritty take on it though. I think that's part of what comes with uh... – medical dramas, triage situations, that sort of thing. They could have had this set on the train and he has to save these lives. I mean, it's just hard decisions, not necessarily he's making a bad decision. Sometimes leaps just aren't, don't have happy wrap-ups. And this one didn't really. I mean, you know, that guy's wife died, uh, but he had to convince uh, him to pull the plug so that he could save someone else's life. There still were difficult decisions in this. I just don't know if there was really enough build up to it to feel the emotional resonance that I could have. But obviously, I mean, it, it meant something to you guys. So it, it could have just been my headspace with it. I, what I did think was um, was effective here, though, there were effective parts. I liked Addison's uh, speech about having to tell a, a soldier's family that he yes. died on a mission that she was in charge of. And she was telling Ben how to tell this man that his wife didn't make it. She opened that door and she took one look at me and that army chaplain and she knew. And my mind just went blank. My carefully planned out speech was gone, but in its place, the right words came to me 
I told her the truth as it came to me from wherever the truth comes from. You can't really plan for this. It just comes from inside. And then when they show him telling that news, they do not show us what he says. It's all silent. And I thought that was the perfect way to do it. We don't know what he said. Yeah. And I thought that that was very effective. And and I can tell you where that's where the episode started to connect for me was with the character work. I don't know how many times you guys had a chance to watch it before we got on mic, but I watched it twice. And the first time I was just so wrapped up in, oh my God, medical drama, medical melodrama. Here we go. Every cliche. I was waiting for the next, I was just my box of cliches. Check, check, check. And um, then when I rewatched it, all of that stuff was out of the way. All that nonsense was now in the background. And that's when I just fell in love with all the character work and realized what a great job everybody was doing. And I had sort of made fun of Matt a little bit when he was talking about how he was a little bit uh, too emotional to to text me because he was in the third act or whatever. But then I thought (laughs) I can really see it because – all of this stuff was so good. And Francois Chow and, um, mm. and and Tiffany Smith, I mean, they just nailed it. And of course, you have Raymond. I mean, Raymond is, is, is always yeah. great as Ben. So, I mean, that's what I meant when I said that they're, they're just flawless performances, exemplary writing for the emotional beats. Too bad it was just wrapped up in the most cliched, um, basically. I think that even if you're a fan of these kinds of dramas, you'd be like – Okay, this is this is serviceable. This is workmanlike, you know? I mean, do any of you watch like those I can't even name one. New Amsterdam is the one that always comes up on like the NBC app because I guess it's the one that that airs on NBC. But what's the other one? Grey's Anatomy is a big one. Like uh, do you guys have experience with those? I used to be hooked on those kind of things in the 90s. Like I was big into ER, Chicago Hope, stuff like that, but not recently. Yeah, I mean, I I yeah, I- Quantum Leap can sell me on different genres uh, if I'm invested in what's going on with the characters involved, because I know that I'm not going to have to sit through this medical drama week after week. It's going to be Mm. one episode of a medical drama, and are they going to do it really well? I will say I've probably seen better done medical dramas, but I do think that there were pieces in here that were good. I I don't know. It it seemed like there were a lot of things that were very confusing to uh, Ben and Addison that shouldn't have been. Like, they're confused that the patients maybe came in later, and they go on about this, you know, at least a couple times over trying to figure out what this leap's about when it really shouldn't have been that big a deal. There could That screen time could have been utilized for other things. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I mean... Like I said, I, I think that there were ways to piece this together that would have felt a little more urgent because if you're going to sell us on there is a, a train accident and all of these people from this train have come in and this hospital has to save all these people and then you cut to Ben walking down a hallway and then talking in a break room and having all these little quiet moments, it doesn't feel as urgent as that premise promises. Yeah, I expected to see a lot more yeah. running around, a lot more frenetic pace. Yeah, 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 and I think that was the intention. Um, sometimes it doesn't always translate. Yeah, but I mean, it's a good way to like stay on a you know a hospital set, and um, I understand why they didn't show us the train accident, but you certainly could have shown us the aftermath. And I don't know, it just didn't feel. Um, it felt both overly complicated and too simple <laughs> at the same time. Well, yeah, that that also is another thing that I think it had going against it, um, the simplicity factor in the sense that this is a leap. You 
basically know that Ben is going to solve the leap, otherwise he wouldn't leap. So any drama that you try to build up amongst um, these situations is almost, and I guess you can say this for the entire premise, but it, it kind of undercuts any dramatic tension because in the end, you know, he's got he's to succeed somehow. So to me, Quantum Leap is not so much about the destination as it is the journey because you just take it for granted he's he's going to solve the leap and go. Um, but he could, if they don't always have happy endings. You know, like this could have had a much more bummer of an end, though this did have kind of a bummer ending. It wasn't a happy leap anyway. You know, there were some happy endings, but mm. kind of bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, but I did like that we saw the evolution of him thinking about, okay, how can I fit all of these pieces together? And there's a part where Ben is basically frustrated because he's saying, I'm not supposed to be the leaper. You were supposed to be the yeah. leaper. And mm. I think Addison has this great comeback. We're going to figure something out. Like what? I know you can't see this right now, but there is a reason that you are sent here to save these three people. There is a bigger connection that binds them, all right? You you just have to find it. That was such a, uh, a calm, cool, collected way you would think someone that's seasoned in like crisis management says, all right, let's step back. Let's step back. And I, I thought that, that was good. It was nice to see her give him a different mindset to help him solve the leap instead of just feeding him information. And I, I feel like that's yeah. a little bit of an evolution of their relationship. It's actually, we're actually seeing them working together instead of information, action, information, action. And then we have that, that great part um, at the end in the ambulance. I really, really loved that scene. Ever since I remembered why I left, I can't help but wonder what if, what if the moment of truth comes and I fail? What if all of this was for nothing and I let you down? Yeah, I like that scene a lot. I like that you know it, Ben has this this doubt about himself. Like he's like you know he again he says that he's he wasn't supposed to originally be the leaper. What if he can't do what he set out to do? What if he fails in his mission? And you know she says like you know I know that whatever happens I'm not going to be alone. You know, she has that trust in him, and uh, and I really liked that, and I liked their almost kiss. Yeah, oh. nailed it. Trying to hold hands, it's like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he when he sees the the um, I think it's during the heart transplant, or it was some emotional scene, and he like holds out his hand for Addison to take, even though he's not looking at her, he's not going to feel it, but just to know that she's going to be there to take his hand, like that was nice. Yeah, that was so natural, and I thought it was a, another wonderful uh, turn. So that's what I'm saying, when, when I feel like the emotional resonance really hits home once you get past all the medical stuff. Um, they just, just, some really brilliant work between the two of them. And I feel if, if this episode does anything for the series overall, it really helps bring Addison and Ben to a more comfortable, trusting level than I think we've seen them before. They're not just pining for each other. They're not just mad at each other. They're, I think, reassessing how they relate to one another and their relationship seems stronger. They're actually growing together due to the adversity instead of letting it drive them apart, which I think is nice because it's kind of a realistic take on a relationship. It's either that or they become estranged. And then where does the show go from there anyway, you know? But it just seems more natural to me that they would be, I trust you, you trust me. Now that we have the truth, we can move on together. And that was a big theme of last week's episode. So it was nice to see them follow through on that in a very meaningful way in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I do think yeah. that they're they're doing good things with their relationship. And uh, yeah, I see the story 
moving forward. And um, yeah, I, I think that the actors all did a great job. Hmm. And he has the brilliant idea of utilizing the tragedy that Lewis is experiencing to do something good for the girl. I get there with I forget the name of the three. There was um, Lewis Tan, Eli Jackson, and the third girl who never spoke because she was always in like a coma or something. But yeah, <laughs> her, whatever, unnamed, unnamed coma girl. That's quite some screen time for someone who has no lines. <laughs> yeah. Her and Beaks. <laughs> yeah, she's like, get her family, gather around the tube. Here's my, my big moment. She did wake up near the end. It was a very quick heart surgery or... Francois Chow was hanging out at that hospital a long time to see what happened. I guess maybe he maybe he wanted to see the conclusion, you know, see what happened with his wife's heart. Yeah, but Ben was still there too. So. That was very quick heart surgery. <laughs> That's a very yeah, quick. Was, heart yeah, surgery. it was very quick heart surgery. <laughs> well, I mean, she woke up. It's not like she got out of bed and started dancing around. Yeah, but it was already done, and she was coming out of the anesthetics. Like, whoo! That was like a two push uh, birth right there. That's, <laughs> that's speed running this. <laughs> but uh, that's that's just. Um, you have 42 minutes to tell this story. I totally get it. I'm just being silly. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they had like a lot of stuff going on. They had like the fighting against the hospital too. There was the doctor who was uh, prescribing a specific anesthetic that uh, later studies showed was harmful. And the hospital had a, a financial incentive to use it. So Ben had to fight against him. Putting profits above patients with Respiratrix. Respiratrix. Profits above patients. And the guy's <laughs> calling him Missy. And he's like, I'm doctor. And yeah, they incorporate a little more about him being in a woman, his body, like, you know, like um, ha- having to wear a bra and not being used to it. <laughs> there was a little bit there. Bras, I'm still not used to them. Underwire. Underwire. That's not what the episode was about, but, you know, it was something. At least showing that, you know, he's in another body and, like, there's some adjustment there to being a woman. Yeah. And I think it would have, like, even though I don't want it to take that dark turn where Ben has to make an impossible choice, I would have liked to have seen him a little bit more out of his depth. Um, I mean, you alluded to this, too, that apparently he had taken either a full day shift or, or whatever, and we didn't get to see any of that. Even when we saw the shift on screen... He rarely had to do anything, and he he didn't really struggle very much. Yeah, he just either. had to talk yeah. to a guy, you know? He he talked hmm. to people a lot. He talked to uh, the guy with the shrapnel in his head. He talked to the guy with the brain tumor. Um, he's talking to the doctor to convince him to use a different anesthetic. He picks up a defibrillator at one point. You know, yep. that's something that he's doing that's medical. Like, certainly yeah. talking to people would be part of it, but it kind of felt like uh, it was a little too easy. Yeah, well, I'm, that's also very medical drama. Who doesn't know? Clear! Clear! <laughs> yeah. One thing, though, that gave us new lore. Now, I had mentioned last week that, uh, you know, Addison seems to have some kind of medical training, uh, whether it be field triage or just some kind of, like, med- medicine on the fly from being in the service. And he or she clearly knows how to use a defibrillator. Do you think that might have been part of her leaper training? I don't know. I feel like maybe the amount of medical knowledge we've seen her use on the show Either I'm forgetting her saying she had some medical training or there must be something in her background with that because we've seen on more than one occasion now that she's had um, some sort of medical knowledge that's helped Ben out. Yeah, she did the the mid-cardial thump or whatever it's called in the earthquake episode. Yeah, she said she learned that in Afghanistan. She also helped with uh, creating a splint in the um, Mm, Stand by Ben. Uh, She knew that the knife wound wasn't uh, fatal in uh, the last mm-hmm. episode. So 
Yeah, she's got some sort of knowledge. I don't know. Maybe we could incorporate a little bit more of what Ben's skill set is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I feel like Addison's got a lot going on for her, and Al did too. You know, that's kind of part of being the hologram. But um, I'm kind of curious about what what's Ben's deal, huh? <laughs> physics. That's it. Yeah, physics. Yeah, and you physics. Know what he, he knows physics. physics. That's, that's he's, far he's had more some realistic. That that's far more realistic. The fact that yeah. you know Sam could be this this multilingual, you know, seven doctorate genius that also is proficient in taekwondo and karate. And, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, he'd get in there and he'd be like roundhouse the heart into her chest, and then he's like, "I've got time to learn some more Latin." And it's not a roundhouse; it's a flying noodle kick, a and noodle it's a kick it, into the. He kicks the heart. A it is a delicate medical procedure. Thank you very much. And <laughs> and then he shows it up and he's like, I'm going to read the feminine mystique while I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, no, you know what I love? I love that Ben is not this Gary Stew type character. Uh, you know, we all love Sam Beckett, but I love that there are some limitations to Ben. I would like to see more of that come through because it didn't really feel like he had a lot of limitations in this episode. To know his skill sets is to know what he's not good at. You know, we mm. learned a little bit like in the pilot, they're like, oh, you're the kind of guy to kind of be in a t-shirt and a computer. Uh, and you're like, not really that outgoing of a person. He doesn't like people touching his stuff. And all of a sudden, he's got to be big action guy. Okay, so like, that's not supposed to not be in his skill set. You know, he's not a medical doctor. So how does he struggle with that? What is he good at that aids him in this situation? That's not exactly what you would typically expect from the person that he leaped into. That's that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I wish we would be able to see more of that because that would be just a shorthand way of building uh, more genuine character moments into the show as yeah. opposed to um, you've you've had this, this valid criticism since the beginning, Allison. He doesn't seem to react very much to the situations he's in. He just kind of rolls with it. And it would be nice to see him react negatively or – I mean we did get a hint of that, but that was out of frustration more than being out of his depth – in this episode when he swept all those folders off the table. Okay. All right. Don't give up. Yeah, he's had moments where he's he's frustrated and he's had outbursts and you know there's there's that. I just feel like in general sometimes things are a little a little easy for him where the story of him struggling would be a little more interesting. So, I have a theory. Was that Seattle commuter train a time traveling train? Did it kill Ms. Melanie? <laughs> and then... It's, it's got to be. That's not a theory, Chris. That's obvious fact. This is the we new got, burger theory. You know theory. what? We got some time travel and vehicles going around. Someone pointed out in that last episode in Fellow Travelers, some of the stock footage had some more modern buses in it from that weren't from 1979. Oh, really? Like, time travel and bus, huh? So I was like, it must be Leaper X. So. They're charged by Mr. Fusion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, obviously the train accident, they hit Ms. Melanie, and then Sam came out, and he was crying, and he was two years old, and then that was a formative thing for Ben, and then it all connects together, and it was all on the big board of with string. It all connects. <laughs> it's digital string now, thank you very much, and it's all around that, that one big dot. It's that big map. It's it's Dora's magic map that they have up on the, the at the project. I, I think of it more as uh, temporal cartography. Temporal cartography that's used by Dora and her magic map. <laughs> and that sound you just heard was Martin and Dean listening to this podcast going, oh, we're going to have to change the end of the season again. <laughs> <laughs> they knew about the time traveling bus. They knew it was Miss Frizzle and her school bus. <laughs> 
coming in with their damn field trips. Uh, that speaks to a certain segment of the listening audience, and I'm not one of them. So I'm guessing these are all Dora the Explorer references. No, there was Magic School Bus in there. There was Dora oh, the Explorer. Okay. There was, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure there was something else in there. You're more multifaceted than Ben. That's what I can say. Oh, yeah. I have more useless knowledge than Ben. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to aid me on a leap. <laughs> I need a pop culture references that are useless. Yeah, that leap will be the one for me. Uh, I, I think there were strong moments in this episode. I think there were, they were asking a lot of uh, the actors uh, carrying a lot of emotional scenes. So uh, if I seem like I'm being overly critical, it's it's just me working things out in my head. And, and I think like sometimes episodes don't exactly translate. And uh, like I said, obviously that this worked uh, more for you guys. So, I mean, it's possible. It's just me. Yeah, I mean, I I find that I'm not so wrapped up as I used to be in plot mechanics anymore. If I can find an emotional resonance or core of the story that is just as satisfying as putting all the pieces together. And, um, I don't know, there was a shift because I used to be like Mr. Stickler, Mr. Does, how does this make sense in universe? This is just illogical storytelling. And I think we see a lot of that on display in the new quantum leap, especially when we're traveling back and forth between the two time periods, because it seems like the leap time and the project time never really sync up in any coherent way, <laughs> except for some very few instances. But that stuff would have driven me nuts when I was in my 20s. Um, <laughs> now, I think that if I can go along for the ride and care about Ben and Addison or care about these these four characters that they had featured in this episode, which I did very much so on my second viewing, I'm much more willing to forgive or just say, oh, hey, it's all right. You know, I'll, I'll headcanon that somehow. Not everything has to be tied in such a neat little ribbon for me anymore. But I can understand where it would drive you freaking crazy if that's something that is just a pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, most of my issues are just like, how would this episode have worked better for me? Um, and I don't, I don't think it was an awful episode. There are episodes of the season that uh, have... I've really disliked and I didn't dislike this one. I, it just had a disconnect, I think. Yeah. And I feel much the same as Chris. I think I, I started to get to a point where if I can make that emotional connection and I definitely did with this episode, everything else falls away. And this, despite the fact that, you know, I've written a chronology about quantum leap, the, the things have to fit together, but that's a part of my brain that I can switch on <laughs> and off when I'm not watching the episode, the episode finishes, then I sit down and try and piece it all together. And, and it irritates me if I can't do it because of some technical element. But in the moment, if I'm sobbing through most of the 42 minutes, that's fine. It's done its job. It's there to, to make me feel something. Yeah, what was the strongest part for you? Like, obviously, this was an episode that was really moving for you. So I'm interested to know, like, what really hit home for you? For me, we've we spoken about it a little bit already. But for me, the um, the scene where Addison is describing a flashback, and whether it was for budgetary reasons or, or purely creative reasons, the fact that they didn't show it at all, they just yeah. had a monologue and let Caitlin Bassett take it. And it was so well done and it created this picture that was so much better than it would have done if they'd have had the, the money to do a flashback or if they'd have chosen to do a flashback. That moment really got to me. And it's, yeah, uh, that having to deliver that kind of news, it's 
yeah, it's it's a it's a tough story, and it's one that I think we can all relate to in some way at some point. I know I certainly can. Yeah. And obviously the one that resonated most personally for me and which on the second viewing I found to be the most moving was Lewis's story and losing mm. his wife and, you know, yeah. just, just how there was a hopeful outcome despite the tragedy. And yeah. I want to watch it again just to see Francois Chow do it one more time. Mm. I've seen him in a, in a few things. I remember seeing He's him great. in The Tick, the Amazon original The Tick, which was hilarious, but he played like a stepdad in that. And he was freaking hilarious in that. So, I mean, he's he's been in a gazillion trillion things. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean. He was, a, he was Shredder and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. I think I only know him from that. Uh, he was great in that. He was in a, a two-parter of Baywatch where he tried to kill people with a mini-sub. It was very good. Um, no, he's a solid actor. I thought he did a great job. I think he his story was one of the more compelling ones in this episode. And uh, yeah, I was glad that the, the the scene with Caitlin Bassett telling that story uh, was great because it gave Caitlin Bassett a, a real opportunity acting wise. I thought she she nailed it and it really added something to Addison's character. Mm. Yeah. And for all of the um, potential hysterics in this, because again, it was so cliche, it really stood up on the quieter moments of drama and pure human reaction, not melodrama. And Caitlin's scene is a perfect example of that. The understated way that Francois played Lewis was a perfect example of that. I think that it, it could have gone wrong in so many ways. Um, I should say more wrong in so many ways, but again, <laughs> the, those, those more down-to-earth performances really helped ground the episode and make it something beyond hospital drama number 437 that we saw <laughs> this this week on network television. That shrapnel the head was pretty gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly. And then it had that reveal and he turns and he's got the shrapnel so sticking out of his head. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I would have liked to see some more gory train injuries, but, <laughs> Can't have but it I get it. Can't That's just it me. That's just me being like, give me some more. <laughs> give me the blood. Give me blood. There will be blood. Give me blood. <laughs> there will be blood. <laughs> So where was Ian this whole episode? Yeah, missing Ian. Yeah. They are name dropped once. Ian was listening to some true crime podcasts. That's what they were doing. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, this is yeah, this is medical drama. I don't have to solve a mystery here. <laughs> they got this handled. I'll be over here listening to Dr. Death. In one room, uh, Addison's talking to Ben, doing the medical drama stuff. In the next room, they got Janice and Guantanamo Bay. I'm good with what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, and uh, we did only get about uh, some total of a minute and a half of project stuff this time, but <laughs> I think yeah, it was very little. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty important project stuff or not. You guys tell me. I mean, I liked all of the magic scenes. And um, as always, I like Jen, but um, we finally got a little bit more out of Janice, a very little bit more out of Janice. And I'm still undecided. I'm workshopping this in my head, just like you're workshopping, <laughs> Allison. Is this too little? I mean, there was so much intriguing stuff and I wanted to say, just come on already. 
So I mean, let's let's dive into that a little bit. And Matt, I know that you are invested in this part of the show, like I am. What what did, give me give me your impressions of that stuff? They're 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 painted into a corner now, and they seem to have embraced it. So I, Janice didn't really give much of anything away at all, except apparently she's the, in her own head she's the good guy. There's a reason she's being so secretive, but because there's a good reason, that means she can't tell them much of anything. And now she's gone that extra step of saying, well, tell Ben not to tell you anything either. You need to go in that imaging chamber and you need to tell him that from now on, anything he remembers, he must keep to himself. You want us to stop helping him? No, I want you to stop doubting him. You say you trust him. Well, there is a very good reason he didn't tell you anything, Addison, because the problem with information is that the only place we can really keep it secret is in our mind. Basically, you, we're going to have to continue this secrecy. Even if Ben remembers anything, he's not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you anything. We learned some more stuff than that, I think. Yeah, we, we learned um, that Leaper X was leaped by someone. True. She implies that, unless she's misdirecting them. Because once you say it out loud to someone else, in a world with a quantum accelerator, everyone knows. Including the people who sent Richard Martinez. You want to help Ben? You will tell him to trust no one. Even you. But but that's the point. We, we've been saying for the, the last few episodes now, okay, yeah, may, maybe if, if Janice is helping Ben and if she's there to, to, to do good in her own way, then great. The moment she gets to the project, she's going to share everything. They'll work together, la, la, la. But that obviously can't happen because we're only on episode 10 of 18. They need to stretch this out. And the only way to stretch it out is to say, don't say anything, even yeah. to me. And I'm not going to say anything to you either. It's the... <laughs> They have to stretch it. It's the only thing they can do. And that's very clearly what they're doing now. And I think that's why we only saw a couple of minutes at the project. So I'm I'm loving it. I'm excited by it. I, I kind of want them to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I was I was grateful that it was short. Um, yeah, I figured you would be. <laughs> yeah. There was something that the amount of information that they're giving versus what's actually happening or being accomplished is, is not great with this storyline because it's being drip fed. But... The whole point is they're spending all their time trying to get these answers, and we're not really getting a lot else besides how do we get these answers. And then when we get answers, they're not really anything. The last episode, the big bombshell, apparently, according to other things that I've read, uh, was Janice asking the question to Jen, why did Ben come to her and not everyone else? I pointed that out, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's been the question since the pilot, wasn't it? Yeah. Why did Ben leap without telling them anything, and why is he working with Janice? So that wasn't new information to me. I don't know why that was revelatory. Yeah, I, to me, it was revelatory because she pointed out the fact that um, by him going to her, there is some kind of distrust that Ben has for all of his best friends. But wasn't that – I mean, I, I feel like they've been asking that since the beginning. The whole point of episode two was trust, right? They were talking about who can we trust? Can we trust mm. Ben? Does he trust us? I mean, I, I feel like that's a question that's been posed. I guess maybe it's been a while since they touched on that theme, so it felt more revelatory to me than it was. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, yeah, it could just yeah. be me needing something new and grasping and clinging to anything I get. 
Yeah, I just feel like they could do more with the information that they get. They kind of get little tidbits of things and then don't really utilize them for anything. Like they're like, oh, okay, so now we know he's working with Janice. How do we get more information? Well, we shouldn't tell Ben anything because we don't know if we can trust him. Actually, let's tell him stuff because then he might remember stuff. Okay, are they going to tell him about Janice? No, they don't tell him about Janice. He finds out through just on the leap. She happens to show up. They could have had Janice telling him information, showing up with her makeshift uh, imaging chamber that she was using, but she didn't. She just said like, hey, Ben, I'm Janice, and then didn't get to say anything else, really. And then they dropped it. There may be more to it than that, but it would have been really interesting if she had shown up on different leaps and said, do not tell them anything, and gave him a compelling reason to try and keep her a secret, and then drip-fed that through the season. Like, who can you really trust? Mm. They they could have done something like that. I don't know what they have planned. Uh, I just feel like when they get information, it doesn't really get utilized. It just kind of sits there to either set up another question or reword the same question. Fair, fair criticism. I think the one thing that I'm clinging to this episode is the one moment where Janice herself actually seemed tripped up. And uh, she did. They were I, mentioning. I saw something there. Yeah. And she said, if this Martinez guy recognized Ben, that means, look, there is an order that has to. And then she just, she trails off. Yes. Yeah. Was the order thing new? I feel like they might have mentioned that the order thing, there seemed to be a pattern to it anyway. But the order, they seemed to act like it was new. To me, it was new. And it implies that Janice has a knowledge of the future and that what she and Ben are working on together is a very well mapped out plan to circumvent some kind of disaster in the future. And I'm wondering if they have a certain like timeline of events that they're working against. And somehow things are actually shifting. They're not going in the way that Ben and Janice had originally uh, mapped out, or maybe in the original quote timeline, since Ben is now leaping. So I, yeah, I, yeah it, it seems to me that that might be a game that's shifting. And hopefully when we get whatever reveal we're going to get, we get a, a more comprehensive of this is what it was, this is what it is now, and this is what we still have to accomplish. But I mean, it, it opens up so many possibilities. Like what, what Leaper X is going to come from the future, obviously. I mean, that's what she implied. We already knew that as well from Ben Song from the year 2022. Stop following me. Are we are we alluding to evil leapers here? Like, what are we alluding to? Do Are we building towards that old trope? I mean, I don't think wherever he comes from is that far in the future because he's around the same age, not, not a yeah. drastic age difference. I don't think it's going to be evil leapers. Um, I don't think it's really going to be anything connecting to the old series. I think it's just... Probably another government project or uh, another entity. Yeah. Or possibly in the future, Project Quantum Leap is not used for the same purpose. It's possible that they were used for more nefarious purposes. Mm. Other people took control. There's other sort of things that they can do with that. And obviously it involves Addison in some way. So mm. It's all very intriguing. Yeah, it's intriguing and frustrating all at the same time. And I guess maybe that's why it's intriguing, because I'm so freaking frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. I, I'm I'm very I've been very critical of Janice's character and um I, I still feel like her character was uh, just kind of belligerent and not giving a lot of information, which I understand story wise why. I just don't find that particularly compelling. But uh I did think I saw some things there. 
I was interested to see her talk to Addison. Uh, I feel like without her on the run, there's less chasing her down, wahaha hacker stuff. I do think it was, they even pointed this out, kind of dumb for Jen, the head of security, to take the woman who's been hacking into their program into the very program that she's been trying to hack into. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I feel like this is moving it in a direction that that maybe I will like better. It, it was very short this week, so I wasn't um, too bothered by it. Yeah. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the real highlight of this episode, the very best part of this episode. When Addison whacks the hand link and we get a clear Hannibal Barra sound effect. <laughs> Why would I be here in a hospital where the people I'm supposed to save aren't here? Original gummy, baby! Yes! <laughs> nice. Phelan noticed that. Uh, he was like, is this the first time they did that? And I'm like, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> they did that in Salvation Our Best. This is the second handling quack. <laughs> well, that's cool. I didn't notice the sound effect, but maybe it just felt natural to me. Well, that's what happens when you hit a handling. Yeah, exactly. It, goes, it does the ear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fact that we're noticing it is is the anomaly, right? It's just a handling. Yeah. So. Yeah, I did notice, too, They there were one or two uh, hologram stuff they added to it. Uh, mm. It wasn't like anything flashy because this episode didn't need it but you know like they had like uh one of the characters walk by addison and then kind of like there's a little flash through her shoulder and stuff Mm. you know like there was a little bit there just to like remind people she's a hologram yeah yeah it's nice to do that yeah yeah and they they stuck with the sort of her collapsing effect when she goes in and out, kind of a, an update of the door, which I think debuted last episode, right? So they, They'd used it before, but sparingly. I think yeah. the first time I noticed them using it was Salvation or Bust. Oh, okay. But yeah, I like that they're using that. Like it's, it's an update and it gives her somewhat of an entrance rather than just, you know, appearing off screen. Mm, yeah. So yeah, it looks yeah, nice. So, here we are. Uh, back in 1994 with no eugenics wars. I, I, I mean, I mean, future mm. fashions. <laughs> there was like one or two kind of period things in it. Like um, he has a beeper or like uh, he's using an old computer with crappy internet. But I did not see any LED earrings on anybody. No. No LED earrings. I didn't think they would. No LED heels. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, either the timeline has been changed or that was just the fashion around New Mexico. Could be. Could be. And, you know, I don't know 90 songs, but they had a couple of good needle drops in this one, especially that first one that. <laughs> what is that the, song? Yeah, I didn't recognize any of the music. The first one sounded like it could feasibly be 90s. Was the one, there was like an emotional song that they put in the middle of it. Was that an actual 90s song or was that composed for the episode or was it, they just decided to go anachronistic? That was, I didn't actually notice there was one at the start. Um, so I, I noticed, yeah, the one in the middle was Mazzy Star, Into Dust. I'd love to pretend that I knew something about 90s music, but that was uh, just, <laughs> that was through the help of Siri. So is it a 90s song then? It, it is 1993. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, good job, guys. I didn't know the song, but good job. It's like very, you know, emo chick, Sarah McLaughlin kind of vibe, but it fit so yeah, exactly. perfectly <laughs> into the episode. I, yeah. I really thought that it had been composed just like Fellow Travelers was composed last yes. week. Yeah. Because it was, yeah, it it was, was really, just so moving. Really good. 
And yeah. uh, that's something Scrubs used to do very effectively, too. Drop songs <laughs> in the middle of the episode, though. Oh, they always had the emotional, <laughs> something bad happened, you play the song. Then Zach Braff is so sad. <laughs> Dr. Cox calls him a name. <laughs> he calls him a girl's name. Calls him a girl's name. <laughs> but you know what? He's damn proud of him. <laughs> We gotta get we gotta get a music person who knows like they they know the music of the times. <laughs> gotta get someone to identify this stuff. Do a little segment. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, since since they stopped leaping uh, into the '60s and the '50s, that's it. I you know once you get past like '70s classic rock, I'm pretty much out. I can do a lot of '80s <laughs> hair stuff. I you know '80s rock, '80s hair stuff, but '90s forget about it. I'm hopeless. Soundtown gets it all. Uh, I, I would have got the early one in the episode if I'd have noticed there was an early one in the episode, but Soundhound. Yeah, right when it fades to him at the hospital. Okay. It says 1994, the aerial shot and the music's playing. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate that they put the year on the screen again. Like, that helped to place it immediately. Yeah, I like that they're doing that. I think that they have to do that because, again, period fashions are not as revealing as they used to be. I th- No, I think that there's... <laughs> I think that there's ways to to incorporate period fashion a little better than some of their episodes have done. But uh, this episode, it's, I mean, they're in a hospital. They're yeah. in scrubs. You and know, like, it's only so much variation you can do. That's true. You can work with, like, hairstyles and stuff. But, I mean, like, that's, it, 1994 especially, you're not going to get that distinct. But uh, last episode, I did think, and I didn't mention this, that they did a good job of making it seem like 1979. It felt like of the period to me yeah and i I feel like you know with this essentially being a one set episode or two set episode set in the hospital it's kind of like um the last time we were in the 90s where we were in basically either school uniforms or prison guard uniforms all their 90s episodes have been set right in In very specific locations that don't really have variations in fashion space the woods the hospital (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, funny. I would love to see an episode in like the 2000s, like early 2000s, like where he leaps into a reality show. That'd oh, be amazing. Yeah. Like some sort of survival type thing or, you know, or survivor, not survival. You know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be interesting to to play with the the period because you don't really think about it when you're our age of early 2000 being a period piece, but it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, but it is. So, I mean, here we are once again talking about the lack of 90s fashions. I think we might be circling towards the end of our observations for Paging Dr. Song. Paging Dr. Song. So why don't we we wrap up? Uh, Final thoughts, Alison Pregler. I think this was a a decently done episode, and I do think that the acting was really good. Um, There were some really strong moments in it. So, uh, yeah, overall, I I think... It was it was all right. I liked it. How about you, Matt? Yeah, some some great performances. I'm going to give a shout out to the acting as well. And I hadn't I hadn't really clocked until we we started this conversation that you know how many episodes has Quantum Leap done, and it's never done a proper medical drama. So it's really good that they found new ground to tread, and I think they I think they did it really well. Yeah, I mean, um, we've always said that Quantum Leap is great because it could be any kind of show. Every week, it's a different kind of show, and that's a double-edged sword. Sometimes it could be a medical drama, which 
I personally don't like. So, <laughs> uh, oh, oh well, but I got to say, I mean, if you're going to do a medical drama and tick all of the cliche boxes of a medical drama and still manage to stick the landing, good work, Quantum Leap. The emotional beats in this episode far outweighed any problems that I had with it, especially the growth of the relationship between Ben and Addison that we saw in so many good, subtle little ways. Just please give us some more Janice stuff. Please give us the fourth dimensional timey-wimey stuff so that we can get a better picture of what's going on. That being said, just keep building, just solid building of of the series as as we hit the second half of the first season. I think that uh, they're really hitting their stride here. And I hope that um, it's something that they're able to keep on doing in compelling ways, even in leaps that I maybe am not crazy about. Also, we didn't mention uh, the the leap out. How exciting that was! <gasps> oh, oh yes. well, we, yeah. Sorry, we, I interrupted no, you there, but we were gonna we were gonna get to it. You know, when when we were talking about what's coming up next. But yeah, that's a whole yeah. discussion in itself. <laughs> All right. So so that's something to look forward to uh, after the break, and also after the break. We will be bringing you an interview with Tiffany Smith, who played Dr. Sandra Turk in this episode. So great stuff to come. Everybody stay where you are. We'll see you on the flip side. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere. We discussed something that I thought would be cute and heartwarming, but which turns out to be worse than the landlady. It's uh, the trial of old drum. <laughs> the trial of old drum. <laughs> Based on a true story of uh, a trial involving a dog and a farmer and some sheep. Uh, they think that the dog's killing the sheep. And uh, Scott Bakula shows up in the last 30 minutes as a southern lawyer um, with a terrible haircut. <laughs> I quite liked it. For a movie that is celebrating a gentler time gone by, there were a lot of total stone-cold dicks in this. And a lot of just, like, casual murder. What do you have against nice things, Chris? <laughs> Where is the joy in your soul? Why do you hate joy? They put the dog in prison! <laughs> He's in a jail cell! It's so good! The twist is that the trial doesn't start until the end credits. That's the weird part! <laughs> to find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. The movie got dumber. It got dumber the second time around. Ah, they should have they should have demanded dogs in the jury. That would have made the film a lot more fun. Hi, this is Ernie Hudson, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. So how cool was it to see Robert Picardo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i know I, I knew hey guys we're back i knew i'd said i would save it for for the end but i'm just very excited very excited so so much to come but now nah, let's hold off on that um as promised here is our interview with tiffany smith Hello and welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie and I'm so excited to have with us the main guest star of the episode Paging Dr. Song. She played Dr. Sandra Turk and she's Tiffany Smith. How you doing, Tiffany? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> May I start off by saying it's an honor to have a man at arms with us today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was honestly like 
so getting to do Master of the Universe, I'm, I've been a fan ever since I was a little kid. Um, so a lot of the jobs that I get to do because I've been in the geek space for a long time, it's always stuff where I watched it and now I get to do it. And same thing with Quantum Leap. But when I found out that for Master of the Universe, I was going to get to become a man at arms, I was so excited. And the second question I asked was, am I going to get another action figure? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just rewatched the uh, Masters of the Universe after show you did uh, last night because uh, when, when I was watching this episode, Paige and Doctor Song, I was like, I know her, I know her. Where do I know her from? So then after the episode, I kind of went on the IMDb and and I was like, oh yeah. So I watched it again. So what's it like hosting with Kevin Smith something like that an after show for Netflix? Yeah, I mean the cool thing about that was so I've I've been working in the industry for a while now. I started out doing mostly hosting stuff, like I said, in the kind of geek genre space. And so I've known Kevin for years and we've done stuff, you know, with DC comics and you know, I used to host for Fandango, so I've interviewed him for films that he was working on and stuff. So getting to work with him on Master of the Universe Revelation, now Revolution, um, was amazing. It was one of those things where, you know, you audition for a project and you're excited about it because of the property, but then extra excited because, you know, you have friends that are working on it. Um, so getting to do that with Kevin was amazing. It's so much fun having him in the, um, we, it was mostly over zoom because of the fact that we were recording during COVID. Um, but it was awesome getting to see how excited he gets about the recording sessions and then getting to the after show was great because we didn't get to spend a ton of time together um, in person doing the actual recording. So, um, getting to do the after show with him and Rob was amazing and so much fun. And, um, it, like it was great doing that. And then getting to actually, we got to go to Comic-Con San Diego Comic-Con this last year and have a panel in hall H, um, which wow. Rob was there and Kevin moderated and yeah. Dolph Lundgren mm -hmm. came and it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get better than hall H, right? Yeah. Yeah. For geek, it sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, those interviews you did, uh, they seemed very cut down, like the first 30 seconds, last 30 seconds, middle 30 seconds. Were they like longer interviews when you did them? Did you do them live on the set? We did do longer interviews. We did them live on set. Yeah. But it, again, like I said, we, we were doing them via Zoom. So it was a little bit harder because at that time, like it was still pretty not early, early in the pandemic, but still trying to figure out like how you could get people on and make sure that the cues and everything matched up and everything timing wise worked. Um, and we, I mean, fortunately it was during the pandemic. So we did get to do stuff over zoom because we were interviewing people from all over the world. Like, you know, all of our actors were all over the place. And usually when you're trying to get people in person, it's a little bit harder. So getting to do it over zoom was great. Is, is there anything you can uh, tell us about the new season? Have you started any of it yet? Um, all I can say is that, yes, we've been, we've, I've recorded some, some of season two. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, and that William Shatner is on season two. Um, can't tell that, you anything about his character, something. but. Wow. Yeah, I didn't that hear was, that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was the big announcement at Comic-Con. He came out at the end of the panel and I've been a massive Star Trek fan my whole life too. So that's, you know, it's. Star Wars, you've got Mark Hamill, and then Star Trek happens when you get William Shatner. So I was, I was very, very, very excited. I think the fans will be excited too. That's cool. You're a Trekkie. You're a real nerd. You're one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a lightsaber on my wall. I have all my comics up. Yeah, I, I grew up watching all this kind of genre stuff with my parents, and you know, I think it's it's definitely not left me, and that's that's the space that I want to continue to be able to work in. <laughs> 
Is is that part of what um, wanted you to get into the entertainment industry? And how did how did you start off in that and, you know, acting and hosting and all that stuff? Yeah, um, I I went to I thought I was going to be an actor early on um, and a singer. And then I ended up my parents both went to were the first to go to college. And so they were like, you need to go to college and get a degree. Um, and so I. I went to school for broadcast journalism because I was like, it's entertainment industry, but not entertainment industry. It's like adjacent. Um, and I loved talking to people. I moved a lot growing up. So I feel like interviewing people and getting to know people is something I really, really enjoy. Um, so yeah, going to school, went to school for broadcast journalism. I went to Syracuse and I remember them always asking because it was, it was very, very heavy into sports and stuff. And I was like, I want to do entertainment. I want to talk about, you know, geeky stuff that I love. And at that time, um, G4 attack of the show was huge. And so that was the ultimate goal for me was to work for G4. Um, and so after I graduated, I, I'm, I was born in Los Angeles. So I moved back out here, um, a little while after college and was lucky enough to get to do some stuff on G4. I did attack of the show and X play and, um, that kind of opened the door. And I think it, it was one of those things where I, like I said, I grew up reading comic books and, um, playing video games and just loving genre. And, um, I think once I started working in the industry, people really saw that and knew it. And so um, it just kept opening more doors where it was like, I got to work for Marvel and do red carpets for their movie premieres. And then I did hosted a show for DC comics for a long time. Um, and, you know, working with Kevin and then kind of from there, it was, you know, I got to be on incredible sets because I worked for Fandango for a while and did kind of all their genre um, films coverage. And I just remember being on sets and being like, man, I still want to act. I really want to do that. And so I started taking classes again and not really telling anybody. Cause I, I, I'm very much like, I want to crush it when I do something. So started taking classes again. And then once I felt ready, I started kind of telling people that I was going to be auditioning and I wanted to get back into acting, um, or really focus on acting. And it's been an awesome experience. You know, I did, I ended up doing Jane the Virgin and then supernatural and, um, the film happened to be at the right time where I played Meghan Markle in a film and, you know, it's just been snowballed from there. And, you know, I, I feel very, very, very lucky and excited to see what's coming next. That's awesome. Yeah. I was really in the G4. I watched it since the uh, old um, ZD TV days with screensavers and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I watched some of that stuff. So I enjoyed nice. it. Um, so what's it like uh, being a fan of the genre shows and then getting to actually do Quantum Leap? <laughs> um, I think I allow, I let myself like geek out about it when I first book it. And then after that, you kind of have to be like, okay, now it's work time. Um, so it, it's, it's awesome. Like I said, I watched Quantum Leap with my family growing up and getting to do the show. You know, I, I auditioned for a couple different episodes and, um, have some friends who are writers on the sh on the show. So when they booked it, it was like, oh my god, we were so excited to begin with, um, just that they got to do it. And then the fact that this opportunity came up, and I auditioned, and I was actually in New York working at New York Comic Con, and I got the audition. And I was like, I don't know if I can like how I have to record it. Unfortunately, I was staying with a friend who um, she's done self tapes before, so she had equipment and stuff, and you know, we just threw it all together and. I recorded this audition super fast. And I think it's one of those things sometimes that, you know, as an actor, you get so precious about your auditions and you take so much time sometimes. 
And those are the ones you don't book. <laughs> and then when it's like really quick turnaround and you just have to do it and trust your trust that your acting skills are there. Um, it worked out for this one. And I, I keep telling people, I remember when I was working on set and I just was like, this cast and crew is, everyone is so incredibly kind and wonderful and nice. And I just felt really, really lucky to get to be working with all of them. And I mean, the only downer is that you're like, man, this is not a show where you get to come back really <laughs> because of the time and stuff. You get to be the main guest star, but unless they leap back to that hospital at that time or yeah. somewhere else in your life, it, it does happen. There's been, yeah. you know, like Jimmy, the LaMotta family in the original series, it went back a few times. So you never know. You never but, know. Uh, you're, you're, you're the main guest star in this episode and you, you really do carry the episode and your, your story is amazing. Uh, tell, tell me everything you can remember about being on set and, and just the whole process of uh, being that main guest star in an episode of Quantum Leap. Yeah, I mean, I think you you audition for projects and you get, sometimes you get to read a couple of scenes from the episode, but you don't get the whole thing um, until after you book the job. And so that was what happened here where I auditioned. I got a couple scenes and then I was like, I remember being like, I am not a doctor. So <laughs> is there going to be someone on set that like helps me with that kind of stuff? Because that, that was my biggest concern, I think, when I first went in was that I was like, the acting I got, I can do that. I know how to do that. But then also adding in, you know, the medical aspect of it. And for a lot of actors, you know, the medical jargon is the hard part. But for me, I think because of hosting for so long, like memorizing stuff comes a little bit easier for me. It's more the, like remembering that you have to do certain actions at the same time, every time and making sure that I am doing the correct actions and, you know, just even chest compressions. Usually you think, like the way you're supposed to do them, people like bend their arms and they don't bend their arms when they're doing it. Arms are straight. Um, so that was, that was my first thing is that I was like, oh my gosh, is there going to be a medical tech or somebody on set to help me out? And there was, of course, and they were wonderful and so helpful. Um, and I asked so many questions while I was there. Um, and it was great. Like I said, um, Derek Hughes and Ben Rabb wrote the episode and I've known them just through you know, working for DC, they did stuff on the flash. So we, we were friends. And so it was amazing getting to be on set and having them there, um, and talk through the episode and talk through the character. Um, and then Ray and Caitlin are just absolutely delightful humans, like just the nicest people. And we just hit it off really well and easily. And, you know, there was, there was definitely a lot of like singing songs and dancing and talking about nerdy things. <laughs> and, um, I think that that's for me, I, every time I go onto a project, I'm like, I want to make sure that, you know, I get to bring joy with me and that when I leave a set, people feel happier and like they had a better experience and you know, that it was awesome and fun. And I just left feeling so like lighthearted and full. And I literally was sad to leave the set on the last day. Um, usually you're sad as an actor to leave a set because you just love acting and that's part of it too. But it was just like everybody from, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe. Um, the director was wonderful, right? Everybody was, it was just so much fun. It was such a great experience. And I think that that's why the show comes across so well, because, you know, you can, even if you're not seeing what's actually happening behind scenes, I think it comes across on the screen. 
Uh, is there any, I don't, I know TV's very rush, 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 uh, but did you have time to like, think of, uh, like a backstory for your character that we might not necessarily see on screen, but, uh, influenced your acting of it, of the character? You know, I think with this character, there was, we had uh, her story kind of gives you some of her backstory where it's like, you know, the interactions with her dad and that sort of stuff going on. That was the part where really I, I had to spend a little more time for myself just so that I knew like thinking about like, what are some of the things that happen between her and her dad that they are kind of estranged. And, um, you know, there's certain moments where it's like, we're not actually, there's not dialogue, but we're having to interact with each other and figure out like what's happening here. Or how, um, is there a bond that's rekindled? And then with a show like this, it's, you know, Ray is leaping into a character that Sandra has a relationship with. Um, so I kind of played with that a little bit where it was like, what was our friendship before he gets there? And that was, I, I think it, it was such a cool thing to see because I think, you know, you watch the original show and now watching this one, it it kind of goes over your head that the lead actor has to play so many different roles where it's like Ray is playing his character but then he's also playing, you know, this resident or another episode, he's playing a bounty hunter um, and sometimes female and sometimes different ethnicities. And I just, it's awesome to watch him be number one on that show and be such a light and kind and amazing human and do such a great job with all of the acting as well. Cause it's definitely a lot to carry. And I think that um, like that, that was really cool for me to see too on set. That's awesome. Uh, what was it like working with this director? Um, Tessa was awesome. She, she really, it's, it's fun when you get to a set and the director really has a clear idea of exactly what they want. And so it almost, it, it's just very quick and smooth. Um, and she was playful with all of us too. Like when we were singing and dancing and stuff, it was like, she would jump in and, you know, I, I got to take like little videos on set and stuff that hopefully I'll be posting, um, some on social media after the episode airs. Um, but she, I hadn't worked with her before. And now like I left the set and I was like, I hope that we get to work together again. It's so nice to get to work with new people and just vibe with them so quickly. Cause I think there, there is definitely something when you're on a set that, the guest stars are constantly changing and that the director is a different director. Every episode, you have to make a bond really quickly. And as an actor feeling comfortable and safe and that you really trust the director is great because, you know, it's some directors will give you a lot of direction and I love getting direction. Um, and other directors like Tessa would come up if she had something specific, but if you did it the way she needed it, it was like, great. Okay. We can move on. Um, so when she did come up with notes, it was always really fun for me to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to process that. And then let's, let's play with that. Let's do that. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's one of the things I love about being an actor is that you do get to work with different directors and kind of feel it out as you go along. Cause everybody has a different, a different way of doing things. And I think it just brings different things out of you as a performer. Uh, being friends with the writers, were you let in on anything that might've changed in the script, uh, before when they first wrote it and in the final shooting of it, like a lot of times they'll change things last minute. Um, not in this one. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't think that there was anything. Um, 
nothing changed from when we first started to when we shot stuff scripting wise. Um, it was just, I, I think working in LA, you have friends and you just want to see people succeed and, you know, see them level up and get to where they really want to be. And so that was the biggest thing for me is that like, sometimes I would just walk off and be like, yeah, like we're working on a set for Quantum Leap together. Like this is awesome. <laughs> um, so I think we had a lot more moments of that than um, any of the script stuff changing that I knew about at least for this episode. Okay. Was uh, was all of your parts uh, filmed at the abandoned hospital or what, were any of them on uh, the set at Universal? Um, we shot some stuff at the set at Universal and then the hospital as well. Um, so it was nice because the first first day I was um, on the set. Um, and so that was really cool just to kind of get a vibe and, you know, see where everyone was at. And then the rest of the time we were at the hospital. And, you know, it's always really fun when you you hear this so much from actors, but where it's like, the audition is the hardest part. And then once you get to set, it's so much easier because everything's there for you. Like we're in a hospital setting and there's extras and there's gurneys and there's people running around and, you know, you have your stethoscope on and you're everything that you need. Um, so getting to be on an, at an actual hospital set was really cool. Um, and just kind of puts you in the headspace a little bit easier than I think it is when you're trying to record at home and a blank wall and, you know, with your cell phone on a tripod. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Acting as a doctor is probably uh, strange enough when you, you, you're not a doctor and you don't know the medical stuff, but it's also like a period piece. It's not that far back, but still there's a, you know, a a lot of changes, especially in technology. I noticed in this cell phone you were talking on, Mm-hmm. to your ex your character's ex and stuff yes. like that was it uh funny or strange to just be dealing with that uh older technology it was so funny because <laughs> there was stuff where i was like do i have to like do i have to flip this open and then press something do, do i have to pull the <laughs> antenna out like what do, do i need to how what exactly do i have to do or it's just like small mm-hmm. things like that where you know you've seen those old flip phones um but like I don't know. I didn't use one. So I don't know if I had to pull the antenna out every time or was it just when you don't have good service? I don't know. Um, So getting to walk around with like a pager and the big flip phones, um, they did such a great job with the props on this one. And it was so cool because I actually, I had never really watched ER. Um, So after I booked it, I like sat down and binge watched the first season of ER And that gave me a really good vibe for, you know, kind of what headspace we would be in where it was like, okay, it's kind of like 90s-ish, like hospital drama, like what is that vibe? Um, So that was great to get to watch that and kind of, and see like what that show even did and how, because that show is so impactful for TV going forward as well, just the way they lit the show and everything. Um, and getting to see George Clooney, like early George Clooney was really cool too. <laughs> and just how many people were on that show. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was cool. And, you know, I think that that is one of those things where it's interesting. Cause it, like you said, it wasn't so far back in time that we had tons of different stuff, but the technology part was definitely, it was definitely fun to play around with and kind of be like, Oh wait, do I have my pager on me? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do I do with a pager? I don't even really know. <laughs> Yeah, the producer was going for that uh, high energy ER vibe. So uh, the final edit, it, it, it does have a lot more high energy uh, 
like that. So that's it. I think awesome. it turned out really well. Yay. Um, yay. <laughs> um, did, did you have to do any ADR for the, uh, for the episode? Um, the ADR that I had to do was very minimal. Um, I think I was in there for like 15 minutes or something. Um, but it's always fun to get to going cause you get to see, you know, maybe even just a tiny bit of the episode, um, depending how much ADR you have to do. Um, and I always kind of enjoy doing ADR cause I think it's like, I almost look at it like a game, like Simon says, sometimes when you go into do <laughs> ADR and keep, prob- if you already know some of this, like tell me to stop. But I'm like, sometimes ADR is you have to match because the audio didn't come through. And sometimes ADR is they're adding in like a couple of lines here or there um, just to help the story go along. For things to make more sense sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so for most of this one, for me, I think I, it was just like throwing in a couple little extra lines. So it wasn't having to like match stuff, which that's the part that can take a little bit longer. Um, But I always have fun doing it. It's almost, for me, it feels like, Simon says, or did you ever play that game where it was like the lights lit up and you had to press the buttons at mm-hmm. a certain time yeah, um, or playing yeah. like, yeah, like guitar hero or something. I'm like, that's kind of how it feels when I do ADR where it's like, can I like hopscotching in to make sure you say <laughs> the words at the exact right time. Um, and it's weird. Cause it's like, you said it originally, but you have to like match it and match the energy. So how is that different than like recording for Andra? Um, so voiceover for Andra is incredibly different. Um, acting wise, the thing that I love about doing voiceover is that like you get to use your whole body in different ways than you do as an actor when you're on camera. I mean, there's certain things where it's like, you have to pay, like when I'm doing voiceover, I don't care how my hair looks or my makeup looks or what the lighting is like on my face. You know, it's just like, you're just there to sound a certain way. Um, and it's definitely like learning things where, you know, as an actor on camera, you can use your hands to like express and cover your face or be like, like, you can't do that when you're doing voiceover. You have to just, cause that will block the mic. Um, so there's certain things where it's just action wise, you kind of have to figure out along the way as a voiceover actor, different than being an on-camera actor, um, or in front of the camera live action. Um, but I love them both because I think they both just present like different challenges and you'll still have to go in. It's not exactly the same ADR, but sometimes you go in for animation and you still have to kind of voice match because may or um, like lip flap matching kind of where it's like, okay, well we didn't quite get this or with the energy that we want. So can you say it again, but can you do the energy here or um, same kind of thing? Like, can we throw in a line here? Can we add this here? Um, But that happens less like ADR for live action usually is that, Um, But for animation, sometimes you'll just go in and because they don't have the animation done, a lot of it is matching your performance after the fact. Um, So it's cool now because we're, you know, towards the end of season one, when I was going in to do pickups and stuff, I just remember there would be stuff where Andra would be doing it. And I was like, did you guys like copy what I was doing in the VO booth or did you just kind of like, do you know me well enough that now like you're animating her that way? And they were like, it's a little bit of both. Um, so powerhouse animation is fantastic at what they do. Um, so it's really cool. Cause I think that show for me is the first time where I got to take a character from, you know, the beginning of a season all the way to the end and watch her grow and get to grow with her. And that, that's something that I'm really looking forward to getting to do at some point. Um, on camera too. Oh, wow. That would be cool. What, yeah. what was it like uh, being directed by Kevin Smith? 
Um, he's great. Like, you know, we had uh, Colette Sunderman was voice directing as well. Um, she was our voice director for the show. So he would be in there. And it, Kevin's energy is just so awesome. And he's so supportive. And the thing that I love is like, Colette has been in the industry for so long and she's an incredible voice director and the stuff that she can do where it's like, I, I haven't been voice acting for a really long time. So efforts and stuff are, I'm still learning all of that stuff. So the fighting sequences, that sort of thing, or it's like, okay, well, you're going to jump off of this thing and then you hit the ground and then you start running. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, she'll be like, <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, okay. I can copy that. Um, so she's wonderful with that kind of stuff and just getting in there. Kevin is very much like, you'll do a performance and he'll be like that. Yes. Like he just has so much emotion and energy after you do a performance in the way that he hears it, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, it, it was awesome having both of them, um, help to bring this character to life. And like I said, it's, it's one of those things where, especially in, voice acting because we weren't getting to record together. I couldn't hear what anyone else's performances were. So I really had to trust the directors to kind of guide me along the way and say, okay, this is going to match here. Or like, let's try it. Do do your lines, but do it these different ways. And even if it felt a little off, like from what I was thinking, they knew what the other actors had done. So to help it fit together a little bit better, which is a big difference than when you're acting you know, on a show like Quantum Leap, where you're getting to actually work with other actors and see what Ray's doing or hear what Caitlin's doing, because I'm not ever supposed to actually see Caitlin. <laughs> um, that I will say is one of the most interesting things about this show is that like, you have to just forget that she's there. Like you can't interact with her when you're filming, which is so weird. Because, you know, we like, we've become friends now and I'm like it's I'm glad that it was after the fact because I think it would be even harder being on set and just like when she'd walk in just ignoring her because <laughs> um, it literally is you know you're having a conversation with a character and she'll she's just supposed to swoop in behind him and it's like you can't even acknowledge that she's there mm -hmm. didn't did you ever slip up and and like give her a glance or anything and they had to do another take I didn't I didn't I was ready I was ready for it <laughs> mm -hmm. That, that's a good out if you don't like the take you're doing. You can just ruin it by <laughs> looking at it, right? So just look right at her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there were so many great actors in this episode. The the gentleman who played your father, what was it like working with him? He was amazing. Like, we we didn't get to spend too much time together. But, you know, he just came in and brought this energy. And it was literally like, we sat down and he started telling me stories about his career. And... That's, you know, I think it's, it's something that for me, like I said, as a host, I just enjoy talking to people and hearing their stories. So we just chatted and, you know, he shared stuff about the industry and getting to come and work on this set with us. And so I think that it, it was one of those things where we, like I said, we didn't have a ton of time together, but because we got to have that time to chat a little bit, I think it helped with, you know, making the bond and having it feel like, um, we had this longer relationship for the show and for our characters. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I try to go onto every set as if it's my first one, because I think that you can learn so much from everyone who's on the set. And I like to, I like to look at people as like, I'm like, you're going to be a mentor to me, whether you know you're being a mentor to me or not, what can I learn from you? How can I be better um, from this experience? And with him, it was just like hearing about his experience as an actor, seeing the energy that he brought to set. Um, it was awesome. It was so much fun. 
well, I hope that we get to work on something again together soon. Yeah, that'd be great. I have to ask about the scene uh, with uh, Francois and he had the shrapnel in his head. <laughs> what was that like, like acting around, you know, makeup, that shrapnel sticking in a guy's head? And like, that's not like a normal scene a lot of people get to do. So what was that like? Yeah, you know, it was, it like I said before, it was one of those things where I think that a lot of times as actors, you you continuity is something that like you have to match every time where it's like, okay, well, I had to take the make sure I take the shrapnel out at a certain point. Um, and it took a lot of stuff from direction to trust, you know, okay, so if I don't take it out here, is it st like, if I don't actually pull it out, does it still look okay? And trusting that, you know, um, the DP and everyone has got everything that they need. So it looks as realistic as it possibly can. Cause obviously I'm not really pulling shrapnel out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the makeup team did such an amazing job um and it's just always fun when you know you get to do like i one of the first films that i did was a horror film and it's like when you get to like add in the blood and do all that kind of stuff it's always it's always fun and again like i said as an actor the more realistic it looks the easier it is for me to perform while i'm doing it you know um and so i got to definitely take that piece out a couple of times just to make sure we got the shot right. Um, and that was where, again, I was asking our medical people a lot more questions where it was just like, okay, how would I do this? Like, what would the reaction be? What do we need to do? Who comes in to like, make sure he doesn't bleed all over the place. And um, so that part was, it was definitely a learning curve and just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, I always like a challenge. So I'm like, yes, keep throwing more stuff at me. It's, oh, it's, it really is like choreography when you're doing that sort of stuff on a show like this. It must be crazy. You go to work that day and you, you just learn about temporal arteries and different things <laughs> like that. And <laughs> It's true. You know, and that's, I like, I love learning new things. So, so much of it is, you know, Google the words, anytime a word comes up where I'm like, how oh, what's that? Especially medical stuff where yes, we have somebody on set to talk me through it, but I'm like, I kind of want to have an idea already when I go in to be like, okay, I know what these words mean, but can you talk me through this part? Cause I don't really understand it. Obviously I didn't go to medical school. Um, so what would I need to focus on or what are the things that I need to do here, here, here? Um, and so, yeah, that scene was really fun. And you know, it's, it's, it's always fun when more actors are on set together. It's always a longer day for filming because you have to get different angles and different shots on everybody. But I just, it's, I think especially coming out of the pandemic, getting to be on set with so many actors and so many great, talented, wonderful actors was amazing, you know, and, and on top of that ended up the um, Eugene Bird, who's in the episode as well. He's one of my friends too. And so we both auditioned and we both know the writers EPs on the show and wow. we didn't know we'd both booked it until like I went in <laughs> for my fitting and I was like, ah, Eugene booked it too. Um, so that was really fun. Um, especially because it's like we we actually would hop on zoom the night before we had scenes and run our lines and stuff together um Ooh, yeah 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 that, that would really help yeah because you yeah. don't get a lot of uh rehearsal in television if at all yeah yeah and it, i mean i love re i love rehearsal so i'm like anytime someone wants to run lines with me when i'm on a job i'm like yes let's do it as many times as we possibly can <laughs> do you have any special plans for viewing the episode when it airs um, I usually watch one time by myself and then I'll like watch with other people. So I think probably, um, it's tomorrow. I don't know how this works since the podcast is airing after the fact, but uh, yeah. 
while we're recording it, it's tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At 10 p.m. Yeah. So my plan is to watch and possibly be on social media a little bit while I'm watching. Um, but I definitely usually watch whatever I do the first time by myself just because I'm, I'm a little bit critical and I get a little awkward. I'm like, ah, I don't want to watch myself. Um, and then I'll probably watch with some friends. Um, it's, it's awesome because it's one of those things too where when you get to do shows that it's more more mainstream or on a network that everybody can watch seeing the support of friends is awesome because you know all of my friends are like how are where we're gonna watch we're gonna be texting you do you want to watch with us i'm like i don't know (laughs) so that's awesome uh and finally uh in the future when you're looking back at your experience with quantum leap like what's the takeaway you'll you'll keep with you um I think honestly, the takeaway is it sounds so cheesy, but like the friendships that I made on set, the ones that I had before and the new friendships that I have now where I hope that I get to keep working with, you know, people that were on this show. I hope I get to walk onto other sets and see them. Um, And I think it's just a reminder too that, you know, I think it's always, it's not every actor's goal, but like, I would love to be on a show where it's a, you know, long running number one or number two on a show, especially in this genre space. And just seeing, like I said, how kind and welcoming everyone was on this set. That's definitely something that I had had in the back of my mind that I always wanted to be like on set, but getting to see it in this circumstance, that's definitely something that I'll take away where it's like, you know, you can be that way on the set. It can be wonderful. You can be incredibly talented and have a lot of fun. And I think a lot of times when guest stars come in, it is different because it's like, you're just on the show for one episode and then you're, you're gone. Um, but being them all being so welcoming makes such a huge difference. Um, and I think it, like I said earlier, it comes across on the episode. Tiffany Smith. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I hope everybody enjoys the episode. All right, Albie. Woo! Good work. Yay. Another great interview with the Quantum Leap cast in the books. Uh, We'll eventually be in Matt's book, I'm sure. (laughs) Our archives just keep on growing and growing and growing. Was it Tiffany great? It was so great to have her on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So great to hear from her. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, again, I'm astounded at the interviews that we're getting. And I want to just say a personal thank you to you, Matt. And it's you and Albie that are um, really facilitating all of this. And we wouldn't have a tenth of the content that we have now if it weren't for you guys. And um, I just want the fans to appreciate that. I, I, I really need to, to spotlight you guys for that. Thank you so much for all of the diligence and the hard work and just getting yeah, thanks, all of these terrific interviews. It's so great. Well, it's so much fun to do. <sighs> now... We have some feedback, and we're going to be tired of hearing from this guy soon, I think, but uh, (laughs) I kid, I kid. We got another great email from our friend John Irons. He's a friend of the show. Uh, He appeared on the after show for episode 109, I believe, right, for fellow travelers. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he wrote to us because he had some thoughts that came after that show that he wanted to relay. John writes, hi, guys. We talked about this a little on the after show with Albie and Hayden, but what if Addison did leap in the original timeline and the results were catastrophic? That fits in with the bigger than us line in Ben's message. As far as why leap into the future to stop it, 
Maybe things happen decades from now. So Addison might be the same age, but Ben might be 90, just physically unable to help. That might be why Leaper X comes into play. He's sent to stop Addison from doing whatever she did, and Ben leaps to follow Leaper X. If the project has better tech and different management by the time X leaps, that could explain both Ben's willingness to leap into an unfinished machine, weaker security, and unwillingness to tell anyone. Possible downside of all this, if another time traveller can always travel back further and undo whatever their opponent does, it's hard to imagine anything has any consequences. Guess we'll see how they handle it. John. I think at this point we need to drop in a soundbite of magic saying, my head hurts. (laughs) My head hurts. From which episode? He says it all the time. I know. Magic has a hard time with this time travel thing. I'm telling you, the one one guy that was actually time traveled, aside from Ben and Sam, and I guess Al, (laughs) right? It makes his head hurt. He don't want to do it again. I shouldn't say the one. I guess every single leapy did time travel technically into the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. They leaped too. They just leaped into the future. Yeah, they leaped into the future. Which is weird. You can't leap outside your lifetime except if you're a leapy. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> oh my God, this makes my head hurt. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's some um, some good theories here from John. Um, yeah, obviously it, it had to be Addison leaped originally because Ben, did. he's stopping something and Addison was meant to be the leaper. So unless something happened where she couldn't be the leaper... Uh, I, I feel like it has to play into things. Yeah, and here's where I start. Like, I kept on thinking, okay, maybe it could be this, or maybe it could be this. And then John brings up this one. And every time I think I have sort of a good answer that fits in with um, some of the time travel components, there are like two more that somebody else brings up that are equally valid, maybe even better. And I am now firmly convinced that we can go anywhere with this story and still have it make sense in a time travel fashion. This also maybe alludes to the fact that we are maybe not an evil leaper project, but a more nefarious project in the future that we have to stop. Telling you, big Grubhub took over. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But John, you can't can't mention that a time traveler can always travel back to undo whatever their opponent does, because then the entire conceit of a time travel genre will just puff into a a cloud of logic. (laughs) (laughs) Just makes our heads hurt. (laughs) So let's not look at that part of it. But yeah, all all compelling ideas. But that does mean like if you're like, oh, I want to go back to that storyline. I feel like I could do it a little better. You can always uh, do a handy undo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, man, I wish that we'd done more with that character we killed off. Well, time travel, anything's possible. Right. That or we just learn to travel between dimensions and find the new version of that person. Take, grab him from the multiverse. Take that Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to talk about bad time travel, we can talk about Voyager all day. <laughs> and I suspect you have. I think there are a whole podcast dedicated to just that. <laughs> but yeah, some good theories, John. Oh, Voyager. We're, we're talking about Voyager again. We're almost there, I promise. We'll talk about it. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Segway. Segway. <sighs> who was on Voyager? <laughs> the doctor. What's his... Joe, Dr. Joe, he's right? Ju- he's just the doctor. I think they the thought about having names for him, but they didn't. Yeah, but before we get the to the EMH, that, you know, if if you out there want to be like John and uh, give your theory as to what's what, just what the heck is going on with Janice, there are many 
many ways that you can do so. You can drop us a line at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Pod. You can go to our YouTube channel and comment there. That's youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. And you can always hit us up on Patreon if you want to go that extra mile and give us some support. That's patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. And so much stuff coming up on YouTube to watch right after you listen to this episode. We have the after show and we have the video version of our uh, interview with Tiffany Smith, who plays Dr. Sandra. And we also have an interview, a video interview with Francois Chow that played Louis Tan. So uh, again, just knocking it out of the park with all of these interviews. Thanks to Matthew, Matthew Dale. And uh, now we can get to it. Hey, Matt, (laughs) what's coming up next that we're so excited about? Well, next week, there's no new episode of Quantum Leap. What? So I guess we're we're just going to have to fill in with something. Shall we fill in with an episode-length interview with Dean Georgiaris, (gasps) executive producer? Yeah, we shall. Yeah, we as we as we mentioned at the top of the show, we spent a good deal of time um, in an interview with Dean earlier today, and he was just amazing and giving and verbose, which is great. And everything he said um, is going to be music to fans' ears. So stay tuned for that one. In a week's time, we'll be bringing you that very special interview as its own special, and then after that. We get to dive into a new episode featuring a certain Voyager alum, do we not? (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Uh, Yeah, that will be episode 11, and it is titled Leap, Die, Repeat. Running a little behind schedule. Yeah, everything looks good. Startup will be quick. Ever seen one before, Colonel? Seen what? It's far out. Like something out of a science fiction book. Just wait until you see what this nuclear reactor can do. We don't know much about it yet. Yeah, we don't have a description yet. We just know it involves a nuclear reactor of some sort. And Robert Picardo and, uh, in an elevator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I believe it's in the 60s. I believe that was alluded to in the interview. And and you say it involves a nuclear reactor. I mean, post the teaser, they could just say, so that was a nuclear reactor. Now let's go somewhere else and do something different. <laughs> You're going to give birth to this nuclear reactor. Two pushes. All right, we're done with that. All right, so anyway. It is one clean, not bloody at all nuclear reactor. Yeah, there's no umbilical cord. <laughs> no, you know what? That leap out was very exciting to me. I'm yes, looking forward same. to seeing it. We, we're not going to see it for a couple weeks. Yeah. There's going to be a short break, but uh, that's going to be a great one to come back to. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, so yeah, just to do a little bit of housekeeping for all you listeners out there. Next week will be our interview with Dean Jarris. The week after that, we will probably do an episode with a classic leap. And then following mm-hmm. that, we will have our episode Leap, Die, Repeat. Starring the inimitable Robert Picardo, or guest starring anyway. 
What if he's like just in the opening? I don't know. Seat? To me, he's what if he store? falls that into that good. reactor and then like that's the end of that? <laughs> We're like, oh man, they fooled us. <laughs> he could be a hologram. He'd still be the star to me. That's right. He's the star in my heart. They got they got some good gets this season. I will say, um, Deborah Ann Wool was also a very good get last episode. So they've been doing a good job with the casting. Yeah. So yeah, we have such such good stuff to look forward to. I for one am very anxious. So until then, I have been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time and then next time after that. And then repeat. And then repeat. And then repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production.